You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This is Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O, the leader in pet news and information. And now, here are the top stories. Well, people are no longer the only ones going through the pain and eventual pleasure of wearing braces. More veterinarians are now realizing the benefits of orthodonture for dogs. In Colorado now, here's Pet Pulse reporter Rhonda Schulte. For um, orthodontics, we're trying to uh, improve comfort for the patient as well as function, and cosmetics is the least of our concerns. For seven-month-old Hobbs, this is a life-changing day. The Sheltie and his owners are at the vet's office, not for a checkup, but to fix a small problem that's turned into a much bigger one. Well, it's got a lot worse in two weeks, though. That's what bothers me. A baby tooth that refused to fall out is crowding his adult teeth and creating a crooked mess. The solution, Hobbs will soon have something in common with millions of teenagers around the world. This canine is getting braces. It's real obvious, so his teeth is, you know, growing out, and you can see it's crooked. When he sleeps, it's sticking outside his gum instead of inside his gum. Dr. Don Beebe specializes in orthodontics for four-legged patients, and while he's been fitting dogs and cats for devices for years, it's only been recently that more and more veterinarians have realized just how many orthodontic problems can be treated. At one time, the solution might have been to simply extract the tooth or shorten it. In Hobbs' case, though, Dr. Beebe decided the teeth that needed fixing were very important to Hobbs' quality of life. In a dog's mouth, uh, dogs normally have 42 teeth. Of those 42 teeth, there's really eight teeth that we consider strategic from a functional standpoint. That leftover baby tooth had pushed one of Hobbs' canine teeth out of alignment. You can see it there on the right. The canines, you can imagine those four long fang teeth, that's what dogs use as their fingers. That's what they use to pick up toys and, and carry them around. So if we can save the canines, um, we really try to. It's like any other surgery, you know. <laughs> it's nothing you look forward to, but uh, it has to be done. The braces Dr. Beebe is placing are not metal, but a combination of elastic and acrylic. The acrylic material is shaped and then bonded to the teeth. Much like brackets on human braces, the acrylic buttons hold an elastic chain that acts like a wire. It gently moves the wayward tooth over a period of time. The chain will have to be changed out every week and, like human braces, tightened every two weeks over a period of about two months. Then we're going to keep the elastic chain on, but in a a neutral position. We're not going to have it under tension. And that's our retention period, just like a person that's had braces that has to wear a retainer afterwards. In the end, Hobbs should have a set of teeth that any dog can be proud of. And even though his owners have gotten some ribbing from the neighbors. All our friends think we're crazy for doing it, but okay. At least Hobbs can't be called a metal mouth. For Pet Pulse on Zoo2 TV, I'm Rhonda Schulting. Now, dog braces can cost up to $2,000. And while they're worn, owners must be very diligent about cleaning their pet's teeth. Depending on the teeth involved, your dog may have to eat soft food and stay away from certain toys. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, we invite you to the news section of Zoo2.com, and we always invite your own story ideas, too. Just email or call us. Well, Beverly Hills Chihuahua is just the latest blockbuster movie starring an animal. But who's making sure these animals of the big screen aren't being harmed in any way on the set? In Los Angeles now, Pet Pulse reporter Karen Adams takes a look. 
While the cameras roll on this Hollywood set, an American Humane Animal Safety representative watches closely. She is one of several who work to ensure that thousands of animals, big and small, that appear in movie, TV, and commercial productions each year are safe. American Humane has very specific guidelines about each species of animals that we use in film, including dogs. Those guidelines include age requirements, how an animal is housed and kept in different environments, and the time and length of work. The animal must also be up to date on its vaccinations. And because the safety reps work independently of movie crews and animal trainers on set, enforcing the guidelines is not always easy. We go toe-to-toe with production and trainers every day we're out there. The American Humane's film and television unit formed and gained jurisdiction over the monitoring of animals used in movies in 1940, not long after the death of a horse in the making of the movie Jesse James. In that film, Jesse James, a horse was forced off a 70-foot cliff and fell to its death. Horses historically have been used most by movie makers for risky scenes, including war scenes and westerns. But horses spook easily. For that reason, American Humane reps must work extra hard to ensure their safety on set. Part of our job as education is helping uh, the rest of the crew to understand you know, what the mindset of the animal is. And with horses, you are de- dealing with a flight animal. The American Humane is part of the Screen Actors Guild agreement with the TV and film industry and is the only organization allowed to monitor animals on set. It's also the only one authorized to give the No Animals Harmed credit in TV and films. Today, we oversee close to a 1,000 productions a year, motion pictures, television, and commercials, and protect tens of thousands of animals in doing so. Animals still get hurt, but since the introduction of American Humane Guidelines in 1980, animal accidents, illnesses, and deaths on movie sets have sharply declined. Before 1980, the organization listed 107 films as unacceptable because of deliberate neglect or malice. In those cases, the situation was either addressed on set or in the rare instance, outside authorities were called in. Since 1980, only 47 films violated American Humane guidelines. Officials attribute the drop to the mandatory presence of the American Humane Association during film productions, which continues to prevent any form of animal abuse from taking place. For Pet Pulse on Zoo2 TV, I'm Karen Adams. Now, a member of the Animal Safety Unit says if moviegoers see how well animals are treated during productions, they'll do the same with their own pets. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com. And we always invite your own story ideas to just email or call us. There are more than 83,000 veterinarians in the United States, but only 11% of them treat farm animals. So a nationwide effort is underway to attract young people to the profession. In Chicago, Pet Pulse reporter Victoria Lim tells us that exposure to the career starts as early as high school. Catching sheep versus catching cabs may not be what you'd expect to see in the big city of Chicago. But this is what you'll find in the last farm in the city, and it's at a high school. This is an awesome opportunity for urban kids. And it's here you'll find Dr. Joan White trying to save a dying breed, the farm animal doctor. The farm animal vet is disappearing, and that that is uh, a necessity for our food. According to the American Veterinary Medical Association, over the next 10 years, the need for farm animal vets will increase an average 13%. Yet the number of farm animal vets will decrease 4 to 5%. The AVMA calls that disparity severe. Animal medical care is just one of the farm-related skills students are exposed to at the Chicago High School for Agricultural Sciences. 
Students learn how to care for animals and how to clean up after them. The shortage of farm doctors is so severe, particularly in the state of Illinois, that the state legislature is getting involved. A state representative wants to create a yearly $20,000 scholarship for several state students who agree to care for livestock as their profession. In the six years she's taught at the high school for ag sciences, Dr. White says some former students have become farm vet technicians, but no farm veterinarians. White says a hurdle most high school students can't seem to overcome the eight years of schooling after they graduate from here. But that's changing with senior Brian Castro. I've always loved animals, and just coming here has really brought my, uh, my, my attention, saying that, okay, that, yeah, I really do want to be a doctor in livestock animals. And possibly junior Naomi Harper. I've always been that child that wanted to go out there and pet the cow and ask all the questions. Harper does more than that. In addition to her typical student duties, Harper is getting the opportunity to provide medical care, like in the case of Delilah, the sheep. She has hoof rot, which requires some trimming and cleaning. These kids have a tremendous advantage over any, even rural kids who don't have farms, that, that they have, you know, know how to handle a pig, know how to handle a horse, know how to tip a sheep, know how to, you know, do a lot of these, these, these husbandry type of things already so that they can walk into an interview at a veterinary school and say, I've done all this. While Harper is also considering treating humans as a profession, at the very least, the school has opened her eyes to another opportunity. It definitely turned this city girl into a farmer. <laughs> and that's what White and the farm animal industry is counting on. For Pet Pulse on Zoo 2 TV, I'm Victoria Lim. Now the AVMA is trying to start a national financial assistance program similar to the one proposed in Illinois. The typical vet makes $60,000 a year to start, but also owes more than $120,000 in schools. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, we invite you to the news section of Zoo2.com. And we always encourage our own story ideas to just email or call us. We'll be back with more pet news right after this commercial break. Do you love your dog? Then you'll love feeding him mouth-watering, all-natural treats, lovingly handmade by a professional caterer who wanted the very best for her dogs. Make no mistake about it, these are not ordinary dog treats. These are doggy delights, like breakfast banana biscotti, honey bear peanut butter balls, yummy apple cinnamon mini cakes, and so much more. Your dog will howl in delight. And now you can get a scrumptious sample pack by going to dingersdogtreats.com. It's a $25 value, yours for just $9.95 through this special radio offer. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Every one of these gourmet doggy treats is handmade from the finest ingredients and taste tested on our own dogs. Your dog will love them. Get $25 worth of doggy delights now for just $9.95. Go to dingersdogtreats.com now. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Yum. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski touring and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. 
DSPN with your host, Lori Williams, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're listening to Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O. Now, for this week's pet news stories. You know the Boy Scout motto, be prepared. But the motto, let us learn more things so we can become helpful, that belongs to the Dog Scouts of America. Pet Pulse reporter Rhonda Schulting now takes us on a Dog Scout outing in Colorado. You can hear and feel the anticipation on a bright autumn afternoon as a group of hikers gets ready to hit the trail. Shorten that. There is a last-minute supply check. Backpacks are loaded and adjusted. On this trip, it's better to be prepared for whatever might be ahead. We're ready to go. And while the humans organize this outing, the event is really for the canines. They are the members of Dog Scout Troop 184 gives dogs a lot of different opportunities. The goal today is earning the backpacking merit badge, so they set out. They have to walk a total of six miles. With the smell of fall in the air and the rustling of golden leaves overhead. This troop is just one of more than 70 across the country with the mission of helping dogs become better citizens by training the canines and educating the humans, turning them into responsible dog owners. It's like a, I don't know, partnership, a relationship thing, which is pretty neat. The dogs can earn more than 60 badges, all showing their success in mastering certain skills. And what they earn, they wear proudly. The organization believes in reward-based training, encouraging owners to think like a canine. It's thinking about it and thinking about what's important to the dog and how to get the behavior you want out of the dog. While the purpose of this hike is to earn a merit badge for both the humans and the canines today, there is a lot more going on than just that. Good girl. Two-year-old Daisy, a standard poodle, was rescued from a Denver area shelter. She was shy and hesitant around new people and new situations. She does have kind of panic attacks. But just within the first hour of being on the trail, her owner began to notice a change. Daisy was eagerly pulling on the leash, taking the lead. So I was glad to see that she's, she's taking the initiative to go first on the, on the trail. And uh, she's sniffing new people, and, which is great for her because usually she's like, Ugh, oh my God, a new person. This is really this is scary. So this has been a great experience for Daisy. The Dog Scout belief is that the best canine citizen is an educated one and that the more they learn, the better their life. A lot of times dogs that have really good skills in public are just happier because they don't have to worry about everything going on around them. And all they need is the patience and encouragement of a good scouting partner to realize all they can be. Ready to move forward instead of lag behind. For Pet Pulse on Zoo2 TV, I'm Rhonda Schulting. And it doesn't matter who's on the other end of the leash because the organization has programs for all ages. Dog Scout troops, in fact, have engaged in cleanups, charity fundraising, and volunteering at nursing homes. For more information, visit dogscouts1.com. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com. And we always encourage your own story ideas, too. Just email or call us. 
With the presidential election, political fever continues to spread, even to a burn. Yes, the media blitz has influenced a California parrot. And as Pet Pulse reporter Robin Wallace tells us, this bird has chosen the candidate he can really flap his wings over. Can you back where? Smokey, an African gray parrot, lives in Calabasas, California, and quite often has a lot to say. The 2008 presidential election is no exception. Though Smokey can't actually cast a vote, he seems to have already made up his mind. Smokey's owner says the two-year-old bird wasn't trained to perform and simply began to tune into the evening news. It was hard to avoid the election coverage or the energy at the Democratic events. The Obama thing was sort of remarkable because he knows what's going on. I mean, we were showing some speech that Obama was making yesterday. And when he hears it, he gets like excited. Obama, yes, you can. Dilg and his wife, Suki, put up a video of Smokey rooting for the Illinois senator on YouTube several months ago. Word caught on and the video began to circulate. Now almost 200,000 have viewed the clip. Obama is the only public figure he responds to, perhaps because Smokey senses his owner's political allegiance. For Pet Pulse on Zoo2 TV, I'm Robin Wallace. And to view Smokey's original YouTube clip, log on and search for Smokey Says Yes We Can. And if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com. And we always encourage your own story ideas as well. Just email or call us. Thousands of dogs and cats are surrendered at shelters each year because of behavioral problems. And many veterinarians are recognizing a link between aggression and a condition known as hypothyroidism. In Colorado now, Pet Pulse reporter Rhonda Schulting tells us the key to treatment is getting your pet diagnosed. We want to try to overcome this issue and work with her. Looking at this sweet face, you'd never guess that five-year-old Nabby has aggression issues. And there's a lack of trust with her now. But the Golden Retriever suddenly attacked one of her family's other dogs, shocking her owners and making it difficult for them to trust her. To not understand what or why it happens, um, it's very frustrating. There's lack of trust. You're scared. You're always on the, um, I guess kind of call it the defensive or you know, always just concerned and scared of what could happen. Nabby and her owner, Kathy, are visiting Dr. Jenny Willis-Jampgard, a behaviorist at Colorado State University. They are here because Dr. Jampgard suspects Nabby may be suffering from hypothyroidism, a condition where the thyroid is not producing enough hormones to keep the body functioning properly. And that may be one reason why Nabby has become aggressive. The thyroid is sort of like a master gland, and it, it does stimulate cells throughout the body. So there are there are target cells in the brain, there are target cells in the testes and the ovaries, there are target cells in a number of different glands and tissues um, throughout the body. And so basically, when things in the thyroid are not working as they're supposed to, many, many processes are affected. One of the first signs of hypothyroidism is often hair loss or weight gain. Not all dogs become aggressive. But in those with hidden issues, the condition can turn a grumpy animal into one that attacks. Essentially, it's it's sort of exaggerating something that's already a temperamental issue for that dog, but might not have been so clear a problem without the, the hypothyroidism. The veterinarians say some dogs are predisposed to hypothyroidism, breeds like golden retrievers, boxers, dachshunds, and dobermans. And there is proof that the condition can be passed down from parents to offspring. 
Estimates are that two in every 100 dogs have hypothyroidism, a seemingly small number. But when you consider that behavioral issues are why so many animals end up at shelters, where they are often euthanized because of aggression, a simple blood test could very well save lives. For Nabby, her blood test showed she is definitely suffering from hypothyroidism. And the condition could very well be what is setting off her aggression, although Dr. Jampgard believes Nabby has other issues as well. The treatment will be an injection of the hormones that her thyroid is not producing. The good news is that treatment of hypothyroidism is very successful. After years of wondering what was making her sick, Nabby's owners have taken some of the first steps to getting their sweet girl back. For the better. For the better. For Pet Pulse on Zoo 2 TV, I'm Rhonda Schulting. Now, hypothyroidism is often accompanied by other behavioral and medical issues. Vets say most of the time the condition develops gradually, and cats can also suffer from it. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com, and we always encourage your own story ideas as well. Just email or call us. Well, the world's most famous arena hosted some of the planet's most talented felines. More than 200 of them were at Madison Square Garden vying for titles in the annual Cat Championship. In the Big Apple, here's Pet Pulse reporter Karen Adams. Meet the candidates at the CFA IAMS Cat Championship. The Democat, a four-year-old Bombay named Barack Obama. He's very considerate and very, very aware of the little guy. He nannies our kittens. A four-and-a-half-year-old British shorthair named Renegade represented John McCain, the Republicat. They wanted cats that they felt physically resembled the candidates. This is just supposed to be fun. Spectators cast their ballots. After a final tally, the Democrat won 204 to 112. But the competition didn't end there. Sorry, we're going this way to the ring. <laughs> six judges discriminately checked out on six separate stages the stamina, beauty, and agility of more than 250 pedigreed felines. The CFA only recognizes 41 breeds. The competition, nothing like what you would see at a dog show. So if one judge doesn't particularly like your cat, there's, you've got five more chances to see if a judge is going to like your cat. With a dog show, it's one judging and you're out. People learn that felines can be taught to jump through hoops, climb a ladder, and push a grocery cart. Cats can also be trained to take on an obstacle course. Both pedigreed and non-pedigreed kitties, including this rescued alley cat named Hightail, tried their luck at one. His first experience, my first experience. But he loves to jump on everything. <laughs> Hightail didn't fare too well on the agility challenge, but last year's champion, Dreamweaver, a Japanese bobtail, showed how it's done. She's very, very active. She's two years old. And she loves doing agility. In the end, for owners and breeders, it's all about the number of ribbons their cats take home. He's got five. So he's had a great weekend. We're very proud of him. The CFA hosts more than 400 cat shows around the world each year. Here in the U.S., though, one cat reigns supreme, best in show. His name is Blade Runner, a Russian blue from Greenville, North Carolina. Frankly, I think he's a pretty good example of the breed. For Pet Pulse on Zoo2 TV, I'm Karen Adams. A total of 41 breeds were represented at that cat championship, and during the three-day affair, the Empire State Building was lit up in the event's colors of purple, orange, and white. Now, if you'd like to comment or see what others have to say, please go to the news section of Zoo2.com, and we always invite your own story ideas, too. Just email or call us. You've been listening to Pet Pulse News from Zoo2.com. Z-O-O-T-O-O, -O -O, the leader in pet news and information. Heard each week on PetLifeRadio.com.